Welcome to At The Whiteboard with Ruth and Nicole, the podcast for people who want to crush it at work. Each week, we'll talk about the latest tips, trends, and tricks to help you love your job and to help your boss love you too. It's like having a personal coach whispering advice into your ear, but without the whispering. Okay, let's get into this week's episode. Out of the line of sight. Um, I just just answered a phone call from my optician (laughs) who let me know that my (laughs) glasses glasses were ready. ready. And wait, let let me do my Nicole impersonation. Holy cannoli, that was fast. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I just said holy cannoli. I've never said holy cannoli before. I'm not even Italian. <laughs> I'm Where did still that come laughing. from? I'm still laughing. Why would I say I holy just... cannoli? Never said that in my entire <laughs> life. I was so embarrassed for the millennial that answered that phone because I sounded like a 95-year-old you nonna did. who just pulled my lasagna out of the oven and said, holy cannoli, my glasses are ready. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was really funny. It was really funny. Jumping Jehoshaphat, that was funny. <laughs> holy cannoli. <coughs> well, we had a little hiatus. We did have just a, a one-week hiatus. Well, I last mean, week was bananas, and this week has been bananas, but darn I've it. I've been very busy. You have been. Very busy. We well, you've been, ve- you've been very busy publicly facing, and I've been behind the scenes. Yes. Doing some stuff. It's been busy. Yeah. We launched a new online course this week mm-hmm. on getting organized and bullet journaling, bullet which journaling. is one of my favorite things. We published a blog on bullet journaling this mm-hmm. week to kind of supplement that. We're recording this this week. <laughs> I have been working on a top secret product. Do not that we're tell not them. telling but anybody about. So that has been kind of you cool. You know what we could do? We what could see could if we any do? show show them on the video, but we won't tell them on the audio. Oh, and see who who wants to know. See okay. who wants to know if you can really want to know. Can you see that? That is what Ruth is working on and is going to be available in the mm, next 2 weeks. Sure. It has to be ready by November 20th, that's for sure, because we're going to use it. All right, so it's going to be ready before mm-hmm. November 20th. Yeah. Um, so those of you listening, mm-hmm. and I believe I also did a giveaway on Instagram, you if did. you could guess what it was. So there's a tip. If you watch uh, the YouTube recording somewhere of this at, podcast. Somewhere at the 2.30 mark. Somewhere at the 2.30 <laughs> mark, you will see the answer. a copy of, of what... Ruth yeah. is working on, yeah. and you could theoretically cheat mm-hmm. and win our giveaway. And what we're giving away is a copy of Cal Newport's Digital Minimalism book, which, which is, is going to be book club. our next book club book. Yep, for the podcast. And we also this week updated our website for the a billionth time. Not yeah. a billionth, probably tenth. Because we, we change quite well we're changing with the world right and so we've changed our focus we've um it's nothing major it doesn't change our brand or our positioning but it it just how we present the information a little cleaner um allows people more easily to get in contact with us as well which is nice yeah when we've one new thing that we've added on the website is like um case studies Mm -hmm. of clients um, on our consulting business. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people still don't get what yeah. we do in terms of consulting. Or if yeah. we say we're business improvement specialists, they'll say, improving what? And it's like, well, we improve lots of things. Depends on what you need. So yeah, yeah. this might help you if you've been thinking about bringing consultants in or something like that. This might give you an idea of the type of clients that we've worked with and some of the problems that we've solved. I think it's pretty cool. Me too. Me too. I think I could make it a little shorter still. But... Lots going on. First, yeah. we're first busy sugar. behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Busy behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and working on a bunch of training that'll come in kind of the late, late fall, early winter. Yes. Um, with a more online training kind of rolling out every month. So that is and probably growing because online training is new for us. Yeah. We have done a few things. We've done a few webinars here and there for people, but we've never. Um, We've, We've never done ago, self-paced Yeah, and a year ago, um, while you were on Matt Leap, I launched a test, learned a lot from that. So now we're getting super serious 
and getting into doing all that. So you don't have to hear my text messages yeah. coming through. Um, so yeah, lots and lots and lots of content coming from us. And that's what's keeping us busy right now. So it was a busy week. Yeah, we have a lot. Hence our hiatus last week. And l- last week was not just busy, but it was a little tough. We dealt with some issues, which we talked about in our last podcast. So this, t- today's podcast, yes. we've already talked about it a little bit this morning uh, when you and I were doing our prep work. Um, it's Again, for those of you who are just joining us, which probably isn't too many people at this point, but yeah. our podcast... Go back two episodes back and stop listening to episodes. this. Yeah. Um, this is episode four of our book club, our whiteboard book club on the book Dare to Lead, which was um, Brene Brown's latest book published last year in 2018. All hail Queen Brene. All hail Queen Brene, honestly, right now. Um, the more I read and the more I really do the work that she outlines in the book. So I prepped for the next section as well. And there's actually, you really need, so you really, for the next podcast, need to read the next section okay. because there's questions in it that you have to answer. Okay. It's like a little bit of homework and it's a shorter section, so it's easier. That's good. And I have lots <laughs> to say on this section good. particularly. Well, let's get into it because this section is about shame and empathy. So we've been building on in this um, section one on rumbling with vulnerability. And she uh, spent a lot of time talking about what vulnerability is, what courage is. And in this, um, in this section, the end sections of part one, she talks about shame and empathy in section four. And in section five, she talks about curiosity and grounded confidence. So that was a bit quicker. So in Brene's, um, first of all, do you have a definition of shame? Yes. I struggle with Brene's definition of shame. Okay. And I am going to say, I'm going to be vulnerable here. All right. And say, I have never felt the feeling that Brene outlines. Oh, of being... So she yeah, says so the start feeling, there. She says that shame is the feeling of being less than or unworthy of long, love and belonging, and that it is often referred to as the master emotion or the never good enough emotion. Okay, so I, I'm going to go on this crazy limb here. Okay. I, I'm not being cocky by any means. Mm-hmm. I have just never, I've never, I've, I hear people talk about this not worthy, not good enough to receive love, not good enough, the imposter syndrome. I've, n- am I overconfident? I don't know what it is. No, but- I don't think you're overconfident. However, I'm wondering if you're looking at, at it on um, too high a level. Oh, maybe. So for instance, as a, as a whole person, you may not feel that way. Like I don't feel that I'm unworthy of love. I've felt shame many times where yes. I'm not good enough. Many times. Oh, see, and I still, so for me, when I feel shame, <clears throat> shame for me, and I thought of a perfect example. So mm-hmm. the other day uh, we were with a client. I wasn't with a client and someone in the room kind of triggered me. Mm-hmm. And I found my voice getting higher and higher um, and I was just, reacting emotionally and so when I think back on it I I never felt not worthy or I never felt those feelings but what I did feel is when I describe shame is when I'm not acting my best self I'm not being I I wasn't my best and I am I I felt shame for not being able to control myself. Yes, and that is one of the types of shame, which is called perfectionism. And you've also told me that one of your triggers is if people feel that you aren't trying your best. Yeah. Because you need to be doing your best all the time. And if they're challenging that, wouldn't it follow that because, maybe these aren't your words that you would choose, but wouldn't it follow that because... If they think you're not trying your best, that you are not good enough? No. And this is where I struggled. Okay. I could not fit my feelings of shame into Renee's. Well, this, and the, the that's same, fair. Renee. The Brene's. I could not fit them. And that's not to say that I disagree with them. No. I personally did not 
I have not felt those feelings. I've never not felt worthy enough. I felt like, oh, I'm good at this and I'm not as good at that and that is okay. I'm just, th- I just think it's the, and I think there's elements and I also think it's the link. Uh, remember how we used to say that, or, so I tease you because if I want to make you cry, I just say that I'm disappointed. Yes. Is that not a feeling of you have disappointed someone, you haven't been good enough for them? Shame, here's my, here's my theory. Yep. Shame is an extreme word. And maybe you don't use the word shame. I haven't used the word shame for many of the examples that I was thinking of. However, if you just, if you focus on the never good enough emotion or the imposter syndrome emotion, those are elements of shame. And one of the things that she said is we have to be really careful when we say to people, you have no shame. You need more shame because actually Brene says, no, they need more self-awareness and kindness. They don't need, we don't want people to have shame, but everyone feels it or they're sociopaths. You are not a sociopath. No, no, no. So I definitely agree that I feel shame and you know, maybe for me, shame is I didn't do well enough in that moment. Mm -hmm. I wasn't good enough in that moment. Yes, because we don't, all of us, I don't think, need to overwhelmingly feel I'm not good enough to feel shame. It's in a moment, I believe. And that's what she, so for me, she talks about unwanted identities are the drivers of shame or the triggers because they undermine our vision of ourselves. So triggers, that's it. It's it's moments. Now, I imagine that people who feel depths of shame all the time and who are belittled and made to feel less or yes. not worthy. We're talking about a spectrum, I would imagine. A hundred percent. So I just struggled in this whole section. I yeah. struggled to see it for me. All right. Because I felt shame, but maybe again, it's just fitting my feeling into this definition. Yeah. Um, and it's not like I feel unworthy of love or no. acceptance or unworthy of I have never felt, and, and I think that's just two words. I have never, I can say I, I have never felt unworthy of love. I have felt um, less than. I have felt not good enough. Um, sometimes those have felt longer periods than others, but mostly it's a day or a moment or an event that triggers shame for me. So, for instance, uh, last week we talked about dealing with a, a client that's difficult for me I feel shame in my inability to deal with that client. Now, do I, again, shame is an extreme word. Do I feel that to the depths where I lie on the floor and I'm like, oh, I'm not good enough. But in that moment, I am frustrated because I teach difficult conversations. I teach leadership. Yes. Yes. And so, okay, that describes my situation. That trigger to me, I'm taught and I'm known for you would say that yes you um give me credit for being calm and cool yes. and never letting things get a rise out of me and in that moment I was out I would of control say that what feelings. you described to me afterwards was shame because yeah. you were and you called me to apologize when I never thought it needed it that you felt like you lost it and you were really embarrassed or shame, uh, felt yeah. shame. I was embarrassed no, well yeah so embarrassment she there's Well, before I get to that, there's a few words. So another one is um, I have fleeting moments of shame to this day of not being married. So people can have these moments. Now, is that a moment, an event, a trigger? No, a a thing that just happens today. This is, I'm 54. This is long standing. Yeah. And when you uh, talk to different people or different situations happen, or you're the only one invited to something who's not married, you can, even though this is, I think, something that is quickly fading as a norm. When I grew up, it was a norm. So I think we can feel those things where we don't feel we are meeting certain expectations that are either real or not real. And what she's talking about is when the organization is setting those expectations for you and then making you feel badly for not meeting them. Mm-hmm. And inflicting shame upon you as a leader. So she talks about, first of all, she said, the shame one, two, threes. We all have it. 
or else we're sociopaths because sociopaths feel no shame. Um, we're afraid, a lot of people are afraid to talk about it. I think, because again, it seems to be this big, hairy, audacious monster hanging over shame. Oh, shame. I keep thinking of, um, Game of Thrones when, uh, Cerise, Cerise, what was her name? Cersei. Cersei. When, uh, they cut all her hair off and made her walk naked through the streets and they were throwing things at her. Shame, shame, shame. That is the, I think, the extreme of shame when you're yeah. made to feel less than and unworthy. Yeah. And that's where she was made to feel. So then before we get into really the things at work that can uh, elicit shame, feelings of shame, um, she talks about getting clear on the vocabulary. First of all, people tend to interchange the word shame and guilt. And she says, yeah. if you think about it, guilt means... Um, that thing I did was bad. Shame means I am bad because I did that thing. So um, I am, I'm not a good leader in this moment, not forever, but in yeah. the moment I'm feeling shame, I'm a bad person because I'm telling people how to have difficult conversations and I can't seem to have one. Okay. I struggle I am, there. I struggle there then. But then I don't it, think you do because I believe you felt shame that day. You were so embarrassed and feeling awful that you had done that because it's not who you were and you felt like you should have been able to do better. Go, go to no, guilt, go to guilt, guilt again, guilt again. I did something bad. Or I, I did something bad. bad. And you felt that you were bad because you did it. Yes. I felt I made a mistake. I felt I, uh-huh. I felt I didn't control myself and that was bad. I didn't think I was bad. I think you did. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> and that, and that's where I when I Maybe went through this section. You are a <laughs> I I just I don't maybe I'm um self-aware. Maybe I'm mm. uh, uh, no that's not probably not the right way. No. Um you are self-aware. Super like forgiving of myself or I'm just very realistic with myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know and I that in that moment I hadn't recalled feeling sh- feeling that emotion whatever mm-hmm. it was shame or guilt mm-hmm. i hadn't felt that feeling in a very long time interesting the other thing um depending on how you were raised as well and the cultures that she talks about and how uh, you were raised uh, my in um when i grew up polish there catholic were, oh, that's all guilt well that's the thing <laughs> But when I grew up, the, the theory or the, the feeling in my, I don't know, my culture, my network, yeah. my whatever, was that you, if you made bad choices, you were a bad person. Not that the choices were bad, you were bad. Mm. And that's where this comes from too. So, um, you know, people who, when I grew up, people who smoked were bad people. And it wasn't until university that I figured that out. I remember very clearly going, oh, okay. You know, so bad choices equaled bad people when I was growing up. Um, That makes people feel shame when they then slip and make that choice. Therefore, I am bad. Interesting. So, and I am bad is, I think, a very uh, overly simple term. For, for what this is. She also says humiliation um, is when you say things like um, you can, if you, people who feel shame often believe they deserve to feel it because again, I am bad, so I deserve it mm-hmm. versus when they're humiliated, I don't believe I deserve to be humiliated. So if you are, if we're at a meeting and you call me out for something and you humiliate me, I don't feel I deserved it. Yeah. But if I feel shame, I probably sit there and go, she was right. I deserved I, was, I deserved that. Okay. And then the last one was embarrassment, she says, is a very fleeting, uh, quick thing that can even be funny. So yeah. embarrassment and shame. Embarrassment, there might be that, I think, that deeper feeling of shame. And what she says is that shame in a workplace eats away at innovation because people 
aren't feel, don't feel free to give ideas yeah. and be themselves. Um, it, it eats away at trust, connection, and culture. So she says it shows up in perfectionism. So when we um, call people out because what they did wasn't perfect, or I would say when we call ourselves out, gossip uh, makes people feel shame because, again, you've made me feel... Not everybody. Some people react to gall, uh, to gossip by um, feeling humiliated, but not shamed. Right? You embarrassed me, but I didn't deserve that. It's yeah, like yeah. A, kind of more empowering, I think, versus they embarrassed me. I must be a bad yeah, person. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> comparing people. Oh, why can't you be more like so-and-so? Yeah. Um, power over people versus with them. Bullying, blaming, teasing, even firing people. She talks a lot in here about um, if you fire someone, you need to remember there's a person sitting in front of you as well because you can impact their whole life about the shame they feel in being fired and not being worthy of the job and therefore they're a bad person. Wow. Yeah. So those are <clears throat> interesting things. And she talks about there's a list on page 135. And she says that when the culture of an organization believes it's more important to protect the organization than it is to protect the basic rights of individuals, it's a shame culture. And she says it comes, um, you can be sure if you see these symptoms or problems. Shame is systemic. Complicity is part of the culture. I think she was talking about the um, government in the States when she was <laughs> writing this. Money and power are more important than ethics. Accountability is dead. Control and fear are management tools. And there's a trail of devastation and pain. And I don't know about you, but I have worked in those organizations. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> similarly, also thinking um, of a situation that happened not too long ago where uh, one of our collaboration partners, kind of someone we work, anyhow, um, called me out. And kind of reprimanded me for um, having an impromptu meeting with someone and not involving them. Yes. Um, And I was trying to uh, analyze my feelings around that. Yes. Okay. Um, And my initial thought was, huh, was I feeling shame then? Like, was I ashamed of what I had done? Um, No. No. I probably was to some extent humiliated because I felt like I didn't deserve that and I yes. wasn't given an opportunity to explain myself before I was kind of punished. Yes. It's kind of punished. So I was trying to think of how that scenario. Is it possible to to especially if you're more <clears throat> if you are better at coaching yourself or better at self-awareness, do you think it's possible to move quickly through them? I felt oh. shame when I first saw that email yeah again because it's for me it's always being chastised like a child makes me feel shame yeah like how dare you you stupid for person you are so dumb and how you know all this and I I think I react again because of being raised in the perfectionism and doing things the right thing all the time it's exhausting Um, I think I go to shame immediately but when we talked it out and then I thought about it it I moved from shame pretty quickly into humiliation and realizing that I didn't deserve that or you yeah. didn't or we didn't yeah. deserve that. And then into, okay, now what do we need to do? But it's yeah. a, it's an initial, for me, it's a trigger and an initial yeah. loop. And then I can come out of it pretty quickly. Yeah. And I quickly, <clears throat> t- I, I quickly did, I call this the, the grandmother theory. My, my Nana used to say to me, you know, if ever I was really upset with someone, she'd be like, they must be jealous of you. They're jealous of you. My mother used how to could say they that. not like you? Cherry, how could they not like how you? How could they not? You're wonderful. You're right? Yeah. Uh, my grandmother used to always say that. And so I remember <laughs> using the grandmother theory and I very quickly went, actually I went to kindness and curiosity and went, whoa, I'm going to pull out anything that I did. Yeah. Like there may have been some, yeah. some activities that, you know, I may, may, may have Would been able to correct. Would we do them correct. again? No. No, I may but have they corrected. Weren't or, shameful. No. No. Um, and I very quickly went to, wow, how, how is that person feeling that, that made them get so yeah. um, um, 
aggressive towards me and, and want to make me feel shame. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was interesting because I just went, oh, well, I don't feel shame because that is not what happened. Yes. And, and, oh, dear, uh, you must be threatened by me if that got you so mm-hmm. wound up to mm-hmm. send such a scathing mm-hmm. um, message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and most of those things that happen for me, especially at this point, with all the work that we do and the yeah. experience and the training that we have, uh, for me, it's pretty easy to work through. Even when I'm, you know, invited somewhere and I'm the only single person, Bridget Jones, the singleton, um, I can work through that pretty darn quickly too. Would I want to be married to any of those people in that room? No, thank you. I would not. You know, it's usually one of the things. But I think we can work They're through it. They're jealous of me. <laughs> I think yeah. you can work through it. Yeah, and it was very interesting to me, but it made me think of um, the concept of a work culture, right? Yeah. Do you want to be in a work culture where you jump to an assumption or yeah. a poor conclusion of someone? Yeah. Um, or you jump to the impacts of their activities to your feelings Yes. before you've ever heard the story. And I, so I, I do believe that the intent of that... Um, communication was to make me feel shame. Yes. Yes. Um, I just, I, think, I don't feel shame naturally. <laughs> I don't bloat naturally. You don't at the end of it. I have to say, cause you're not a sociopath. There has to be no. like an element that works through quickly and that, yes. that can go through it. But I, I think that anytime you can think of a, a time when you could insert the words shame on you, that for me is a trigger. So if somebody treats me or speaks to me as if I'm a child. Yes, I'm the same way. And then my initial reaction is, is shame. It is. And it's that feeling like, oh, I messed up. I do, I'm not even worthy of having the job I have because I should never have done that. And then goes around. I just I still, I assert that I do not have that feeling. Hmm. Brene. <laughs> Brene. We really, we truly would love you to call us and help us make, talk about Make, make sure that I'm not a psychopath. Yes, because sociopath. Sociopath. Because then I don't want to deal with her anymore. <laughs> Again, I, I hope hmm. it's not making me come off as overconfident or th- that is not at all. I am just very clear on what I'm good at and what I'm not. Hmm. And... I'm very clear on what I, I believe myself to be a good person and an honest person, and I put in my best effort all the time. And so at any point that someone tries to shame me, it's usually a trigger for me. I become emotional about it without a doubt. Don't you think that's because you're feeling shame? And that you but it's not that I don't feel it? worthy. I do not like being, I don't like being accused of something that I am not okay we've been rudely interrupted twice three times three times three separate calls (coughs) i have now enabled do not disturb on my phone yes we are back i am a mild sociopath who doesn't feel shame no i think it's because i don't know how to interpret this as well as I would like, or we don't know how to interpret it as well as we would like. And I Brene, think again, yeah, Brene, Call us. I think they're really good questions. And she talks about how she goes into companies and organizations and people stand up and say, well, I don't have this and this and this. And then she asks like two questions and they say, I'll sit down now. So like there's, there's questions to ask and there's things to say and stuff that clearly we need to know more in this. So again, when we take that, training sometime we'll learn more about it yeah because it probably has to do with vocabulary or nuances or the way we phrase things where I interpret it one way and you interpret it another and it's probably the same thing yeah I guess I guess if it's based on Renee's feelings I definitely have felt guilt about behaving a certain way in a moment Mm -hmm. um and for that I feel guilty I, I would call that being ashamed I'm ashamed at myself because I wasn't able to control myself. Mm-hmm. But I do not equate that 
to my worthiness as a friend mm. or my worthiness to receive but love. But that's the global behaviors again. In the moment, you're still saying that in that moment, you're not feeling like, oh shit, I, I don't, how am I even teaching this stuff when I can't do it myself? Nope. No. I am just then, saying I've made an error and that's normal. Um, I'm mad at myself for making that error. Yeah. But I don't think of myself as less worthy for making it. So how would you then translate the concept of shame and shame making into leadership, the leadership conversation? Well, and that, I don't, I don't know if that got captured before we had a break, but I said, oh my goodness, if I can't, um, if I haven't experienced or I don't believe I've experienced, it may be not true, mm-hmm. <clears throat> This experience of not feeling worthy, how does that impact my leadership ability? It's a great question. I don't know that either. Right? I know that I have extreme empathy. I know that I um, am very, uh, I, I try very hard to look at people's emotions and how they might be feeling and question that and empathize with that. So I would hope that naturally, I would be able to identify some feelings there and be able to it's work an through them. Question: I wonder if she's used very definite language, and her language said we all have it or we're sociopaths. Now, it seems like is there a caveat to that or a sub bullet that says, and some of us may not know it. So, for instance, think of a really bad or really good boss who's super confident, who's been there just driving stuff, getting it done, uh, whatever. You've seen things that you're like, oh, you know, that that person may want to pause and consider how that that looks and that you even might think are shameful behaviors, even though they're on the whole, great leaders, great people, whatever. But they may not even realize it. So they're not sociopaths because sociopaths is such a small fraction percentage of the true sociopaths of the population so is it possible that we all may feel shame but many of us don't even know that we're feeling it or don't recognize it or put it away or mask it with something else or deal with it like that and process it into something else or 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 yeah so if i were to make a guess perhaps i feel that shame fleetingly yeah and I my husband and I talk about this all the time that we are excellent at rationalizing <laughs> right it's like well, yeah. you know we bought a house and we're like oh but that you know this kitchen is amazing even though it's at the other side of the house because blah 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 and then we'll instantly be like we hated that kitchen but we right. were great at rationalizing right. it in the moment right rationalizing a purchase or whatever right goes great with jeans you can wear it with you jeans wear it with anything you can wear these with jeans mm-hmm. um <laughs> So I wonder if I do a split second, like maybe I feel the shame and then I'm quickly, I mean, if I look at when I observe other people, Mm -hmm. um, and again, I, you know, because we deal in what we deal with and having difficult conversations and controlling emotions and being leaders, I do uh, watch other people. And so I do watch when I think other people feel shame and they respond with anger. Mm Mm-hmm. They respond with like mm-hmm. fury almost. Yeah. Um, and that is their kind of, their balance for that shameful feeling. They kind of suppress it that's out. What and- I, that's what I'm wondering. Because I know if I'm, as I'm sitting here thinking, I think there are some people I know who would say they don't feel shame. And is it possible that? I don't feel shame under this definition. I I feel okay, yeah. I say I, I can say I feel ashamed, but that's guilty, right? That's not so. So, so, so that her definition in her in, in Brene's her definition, definitions, I cannot. I don't have that worthiness component, at least that I can think of. Or you know, maybe it's just like I'll just say, well, it's not that I'm not worthy of being right, a marathon me, runner. I will just never be <laughs> a marathon let runner. Let me ask you a question then. So you have somebody, you're a, a leader, you have a team that reports to you, and someone in front of you has said they are ashamed, they, they feel shame after something that has happened, and they don't feel even worthy of doing the work that they do. How do you respond to that? 
Oh my goodness. I mean, <laughs> don't feel that way. Well, <laughs> right. No, 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 no. It's a good question. Um, but it's what you said. Are if if we don't know how we yeah. feel, or we feel like we haven't felt her definition of shame, are we able to? It's kind of like empathy. Yeah, it's a. It's like a, some people, in their hearts, are like, "I've never you. I don't have feel no empathy for you right now, but I know how to act like I feel it." Yeah, and I mean, I all I can all I could say to that person using my own tools of empathy, I wouldn't be able to say I know exactly how you yeah. feel. I felt that way before. Right. All I would be able to say is like. I I I hear you. I I'm hearing you say you're not worthy. Tell me more. Yeah. Tell me what. That's tell me Brene's more about what you. She what talks, you mean. The next section she she flows into is about empathy, and she says that we move from shame to empathy by um, being able to be authentic, to move through it without sacrificing our beliefs or our values, and to come out on the other side with courage and compassion. I'm I'm going to hypothesize that some people can pause it. Pause it. Pause I'm it. going to pause it that some people can do it like that. And some people can't take long they take longer or they can't do it at all. And what she says about empathy is that it's not connecting to the experience, it's connecting to the emotions that underpin the experience. So if you do, if you've never experienced this definition of shame but somebody you're talking to has you can connect to the frustration, to the yes. guilt, to the embarrassment, yes. to the, right? Yes. So that's what empathy is, to be able to say, I'm so sorry, that must be frustrating. Tell me more. <laughs> because you can connect yeah. to the frustration. Yeah. So what she's saying is, when you, the, there's five elements to empathy. To see the world as others see it. Tell me what this sounds like when I get to the end of the list. To see the world as others see it. So that's very hard if you were ma- raised in a white, middle-class, successful Christian household. Yeah, this is a huge topic right now. Huge. Of, of um, <clears throat> how do you, how do you uh, ask, ask people of color or people of, uh, in minorities, it's yeah. not fair to ask them um, what their experience is. Right. I was watching, there's an, a new Netflix special with Chelsea Handler. Oh yeah. On, on this topic. And I found it very interesting yeah. and it was just kind of like, you just need to know, you just need to understand. Renee says different... you need to listen, not ask, which I had never seen before in mm. the next section on values. She says you, for, rather than ask or deal, just listen. Um, did you watch survivor this week? No. There. I am watching Lost, though, oh, from season all one. over again. So Survivor this week, there was one of the um, contestants is African-American and another one is younger and white. And these two guys get along really well. They're friends. And they wear, you know, the buffs that they wear, like the kerchief oh, yeah. They the, the young white guy said to the older, not old, I'm going to say like 10 years older, um, African-American guy, can you use your do-rag to pick up the pot because it's hot? And the guy looked at him and went, do-rag? And the kid thought he was being funny. Well, it was one of the most moving things I had seen on Survivor, which is not really moving. <laughs> but they had such an open discussion about it. And the guy went and he apologized. And he, and he said, you know, thank you for apologizing. I need some time to process. Let's talk later. It was really cool. Wow. So then they talked and he said, um, I want to thank you for apologizing me. No one ever's done that. But when I, I also want to know, how much do you want to know about what was going on? The kid says, I need to learn. Tell me. And he said, a do-rag is, is often associated with thug life, gangster life. Oh. There's a history to that. It doesn't mean it always is, but it's yeah. often associated. And there's a deep-seated feeling, a.k.a. trigger, uh, associated with that kind of language. And they had such a good... Con- I was almost teary watching it because wow. it was very mature, very open, very authentic, I thought. And uh, it just made me think of this. I bet you, even though that, um, I cannot remember the character's name, the character. The character. The, um, contestant, contestant's The name. contestant's name. Um, but even though he was very self-aware, he, I wondered if he was a teacher. Like, he just was so good about it. I bet the trigger was shame. Because 
if you're using language that is belittling, it, it, it's intended to make you feel less than, which it would for that. And I bet that he went in and bounced out really quickly because he seemed so aware and, and advanced and yeah. mature. So the it, younger person. No, the, nope. the guy the with, that it happened to, yeah. the African-American. Yes. So I thought that was really interesting because that to see the world as other people see it, how do you do that? How do you have empathy with someone who's living in a completely different life than you? Yeah. So she said you need to do that and you need to be curious and become the learner. So that's cool. The second one to have empathy is to be non-judgmental. We tend to judge people where we feel shame. And I thought that was interesting. She said, so for instance, if you tend to judge people's appearance or their weight or anything, it's probably an issue for you somewhere, mm-hmm. deep-seated. Um, and I thought, I was thinking of someone I'm not getting along with right now. And I thought, yeah, I do. The judgment I'm doing is on something that I find uh, can be a trigger for me if I'm not doing it well. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, you have to understand the other person's feelings. Then communicate your understanding of the other person's feelings in case you're wrong. And then be mindful and pay attention and not try to do too much at once. And what's the scenario? What's the situation? And all that. So she talks about that. And it's kind of cool. She says there's some misses with empathy that you can uh, use sympathy instead. And we've talked about, she says, empathy is feeling bad with me. Sympathy is feeling bad for me, which I thought was cool. And then yeah. the other one she called the gasp and awe, which is like, oh, my God, if I felt that way, I would die, <laughs> which is not helpful. And then the other one is the mighty fall where I'm just disappointed. I actually am not empathetic because I'm really disappointed that you did that or that you experienced that. Mm. And then you can't be empathetic. Um, I've always used empathy and sympathy, like the example <clears throat> of... Um, I can see you're frustrated yes. um, by what I just said to you versus I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that you feel that way. Yeah. has always been my perfect example of why sympathy sucks. It does suck. Sympathy sucks. Empathy yeah. is so much better. We should post the link to Brene's video that's really short. You know, the four or five minute one. And it shows, um, it's got sort of a cartoon video. And it has like somebody fell down a hole. Yeah. And this, the, the other, the, the animal, it's an animal, looks down the hole and goes, wow, that must really suck down there. You want a sandwich? <laughs> and she says, that's sympathy. Like, yeah. Whereas the other person sort of comes down in the hole with you and says, this is awful. How can I help? Yeah. Or tell me what's going on. It's a very good video. We definitely should uh, yeah. put that up, put a link to that on, yeah. on She on also socials. has in the book, there's skill building questions. Um, on empathy building. So if people are interested, page 156, um, there's some ones that you, there's just four questions you can look on, you can look at if you're trying to build or practice your empathy. <laughs> it was interesting that uh, I was saying today to Ruth um, that I was watching my my almost two-year-old yes. learn yes. to become empathetic. And I was kind of, we were chatting about whether we thought this was like a nature versus nurture was this part of her personality um because her caregiver um has always done this kind of make a sad face and then give me a hug um and my daughter Lillian was not a particularly huggy kid um so we'd always like make a sad face give me a hug um and now she's got into this kiss my boo-boo thing Mm -hmm. where every time she hurts herself she comes and I've used it as a way to get some affection from her if she doesn't want to hug me I'll say oh mommy has a boo-boo right here right and then get a free free kiss basically and I was fascinated with this concept of building empathy because it literally started as you called it it was just like a trigger in response someone makes a sad face give them a hug yeah um and has now, it has appeared to evolved into true empathy for her. Yeah. As I watched her, um, my, my older stepdaughter was crying about something. And I watched her literally kind of, my, I watched Lillian feel kind it of with her. feel it and then just go over and hug her. Yeah. You know, and I mean, she the, can't really talk that much, use, but it's not like she could say like, sorry, your cousin peed on your Barbie. Well, but yeah. she, you know, she literally just is like, you're crying. 
I'm going to give a so hug. So what she did was connect with the emotion, not the experience. She's never had her cousin pee on her Barbie, <laughs> right? So she can't know what it's like. But what you told me that Lillian keeps saying, Lillian's sad, somebody's sad, somebody's sad. So she's looking for that emotion that she's learning how to connect with yeah. and reacting to it, not to the situation that she hasn't experienced. So other people would look at it and go, what are you crying for? Just put it in the bath and wash it. There's no empathy there. Yeah, and it was. Like, we were all just like, Abby, it's just, like, these pants. She was mostly upset about these tiny Barbie riding pants that had now been <laughs> peed on by her cousin. Um, and we were just like, but we can put them in the wash, and it's going to be fine. They're yeah. just Barbie pants. Like, calm down. Yeah. Um, but Lillian just embraced the true form of empathy and just went over and patted her on the back and I'm I think sorry, said, sad. This nice sucks. Abby nice Abby <laughs> <laughs> she's like 18 months old yeah the last section 20 <laughs> 20 sorry the last section I wanted to talk about in this um in this episode is um page 172 she talks about rumble starters and questions that we use we meaning her group um to have these conversations with people. So the, this whole point of this is um, trying to experience what the other person, or not experience, understand what the other person is going through. Are they feeling shame? Are you creating an atmosphere that help, that makes people feel shame? How can you move away from shame into empathy? And how can you ask people what's going on? So there's 11 questions in this thing that they Renee, use. you always have... I keep calling her Renee. Renee. No. Renee, Renee, you have so many, so many so many, items. 11, 16. Wait until we get to values. There's only two that you're supposed to do oh, in your homework. You'll good. like it. Um, so, for instance, and I'm not going to read like the whole description of them, but the first one is the story I make up, dot, dot, dot. That was one of my favorites from... I think it's from Rising Strong. I wonder if it was in there. Oh, yeah. You've, um, you've, taught, you've used this yeah. you've used this on so me. So the story I'm making up, Nicole, is that I've done this and you've reacted this way and this is never going to work. And that gives you the opportunity to go, no, that's not... I yeah. didn't feel... Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious about... Tell me more. See, Our she favorite. steals from you. Um, that is Renee, not my... We're ex- going to ask for royalties true. on Tell Me More. One of them is that's not my experience. Which you would use instead of you're wrong. Oh. About him, her, or it. So instead, you tell me, oh. uh, I can't stand Joe Smith. And I say, Joe Smith is fine. You're wrong. It's great. You say, oh, that's not my experience with Joe Smith. Ooh, love that. My experience is this. I love that. It's also, that's a great, um, also a great way to kind of nip gossip. Yes. In the, you know, nip gossip, yeah. you know, when someone says, oh, you know, uh, so and so's always trying to just snake in and yeah. do that, and just going. That's not my experience. Yeah, oh, I love. Wow, if like if you've got one takeaway from this section, I'm gonna say that is a beautiful. It's a beautiful tactic, one. and it really would shut you down quickly. That's yeah. not my experience. <gasps> mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, that like that yeah. gives me all the feels. All right. The next one is I'm wondering. Which I think is very similar to, is it possible? Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. That you taught me, is it possible? Um, Which is nice because you're providing an alternative viewpoint without correcting it. Yeah, I do love, is it possible for that? And that's another great, actually, if you want to talk about like gossip or shaming or any of that kind of behavior, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to shift the culture, is it possible is uh, a lovely way of Mm -hmm. trying to come up with alternate solutions or alternate viewpoints without correcting people yeah without correcting or making Mm -hmm. them feel wrong Mm -hmm. um it's a great it's a coaching technique that we'll often use when people are uh what do they call it when they have got like self-limiting statements yes um things like well my boss is never going to give me a promotion because they don't like me Mm -hmm. you know and you kind of say like well how do you know they don't like like tell me the evidence that that they don't like you how do you what tells you yeah, so? Yeah. Right? People and, do that a lot. I did that this week. A friend of mine thought I needed to go and get my cough checked out. It's much better now. And uh, I said, well, I'm never going to get in this week. Mm-hmm. Because, and she goes, it hasn't even opened yet. Is it possible that there's a cancellation? I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a um, lovely way to get out of... Um, if you have someone that's consistently... I always call them the people that have an answer for everything. Yeah. 
yeah, but this or no, but she's going to say that. Yeah. No, but he's going to say that. No, but she always does this, which I get, I get very, mm-hmm. that's a frustration trigger mm-hmm. for me. Um, and so I found, is it possible? It really kind of gets people to be like, yeah, it is. Yeah. I suppose that's possible. Yeah. So it's nice if you have a, a negative Nelly kind of friend. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it is. The next one is help me understand, which we teach yeah. a lot. Take Walk royalties me through. Here. What I like about walk me through, we've taught before about um, uh, take me along the story. Yes, but we've talked and we've talked about uh, getting people to uh, not use the word why. So why did you do that? And I've uh, often provided an alternative that says something like, "Tell me your thought process. Tell me your rationale." I like walk me through it better. I feel like it's more friendly. And it does yeah. the same thing versus almost explain like the your, done. Explain your yeah, explain your your thought process is very it's almost like why. Whereas this is yeah. okay, walk me through what you know. Walk yeah. I thought that was nice. Um this is kind of cool. We're both dug in. <laughs> Tell me about your passion around this. With to me that oh. says something like, We're both in this. Tell me about your passion. Oh, it's interesting. Like my, we're both, we, our heels are in, in this article, in this argument right now, or this discussion. Our heels are both dug right in. Yeah. Tell me about your passion. I love, I like that one a lot. Like when you're at a, a standstill and you can't seem to revol- resolve it and you're yeah. like, all right, we're both yeah. equally. What's, why are you so in? Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think love that one cool. a lot. Um, tell, me, <laughs> tell me why this doesn't fit or work for you. I don't love this because of the word why. I just... I, there must be another way to say that. Uh, like, what's blocking you from this? Or what's the roadblock? What roadblock do you see? Something like that versus uh, why does it work What's your, what's your magic you? statement? Oh, yeah. What needs to happen? Yeah. What needs to happen in order for you to da-da-da? Mm-hmm. Renee? Yeah. You can borrow that if you like. Just hashtag whiteboard. Um, <laughs> I'm working from these assumptions. What about you? Ooh. I like that one. Good one. Uh, it's like the communicative competence, which I think her, I meant to follow back on the empathy, seeing the world as the others see it, all that stuff. Yeah. It's a lot like the community, communicative competence model that we talk about. Um, and then the last one is, what problem are we trying to solve? Because she's saying sometimes you're in this argument for like an hour and you're talking, you're solving something completely different than you started off. Yeah. You, you've gone off on a tangent yeah. So she says, practice these questions and keep practicing them. Become self-aware of, of, the, of the, mo- the model that you're setting or your, the roles that you're modeling. I can't even. Behaviors are role modeling. And have the tough conversations. Don't avoid them. This, whole, this was the last section in um, the first part, which is all rumbling with vulnerability. She's got a ton of examples, practicing, being self-aware more rumble tools, and then she gets into the next part, which is values, which will be our next one. Amazing. But it is, I think it's really interesting, the discussion, it's, a, it's like a two-parter. There's a discussion on what is shame, and, and can we really understand, I don't think we do, really yeah. understand what she's talking about. I think I understand what she's talking about. I've heard other people use that language yeah. and say they felt those feelings. So um, I'm not... Like impervious, oblivious. I'm not. I I recognize that those feelings are there. I just don't have a personal connection to that those words. And I think it's possible that we either um, are not asking the right questions, or not making the right links, or all the links, or there's more yeah. links. But or or maybe yeah, maybe I'm not reflecting on the right scenarios. I don't that, know. But there must be. It's such an interesting point that you make. I'm quite sure there are many, many others who would say the same thing. And how does she deal with that? I would like to know. Right. And I mean, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm self-aware enough to recognize like, huh, I haven't felt that feeling, but I felt these feelings, but I could certainly, uh, like, <laughs> my husband to some extent, mm-hmm. he, like he'll just say, I never worry what anyone's saying about me. I just don't care about any of it. Don't care what anyone thinks. Don't care what anyone says. I just don't worry about it. I just don't. <laughs> and, you know, like I could yeah. just imagine him saying like, I've never not felt worthy. Like, never. But, but Interesting. I, well, I, in a different way than I think I'm saying it because I literally 
as I was listening to this, I was like, I don't feel that feeling. I've heard these words before. I've heard people say these words. I've heard affirmations and gratitudes and all these things that try and battle these feelings. And I could not find a feeling, especially when she went into humiliation and um, guilt and other things where I was like, yes, yes, I feel those. But they are not the exact feeling that she is describing as shame. That's why I think there's more to it. I was going to say, I think that's a really interesting discussion and people should read it and think about their own reaction to it. Because I bet there's a million. And you can still, regardless of that discussion and where you're at in it, you can still have the discussion on how your understanding of shame and yourself... um, can and should impact the people that you work with. Yeah. I'm excited. For you. I'm excited to how you package this up in the blog. I was just <laughs> thinking, how am I going to package this up? Because the second part is about then moving through shame, whatever it looks like for you, or recognizing it, having the empathy, and moving I, on. And I, I wish, like, I almost feel like we could do like a second iteration of this podcast because we were literally just battling with the definitions. That's, but that's the authenticity. We were of it. rumbling. We were rumbling. Um, uh, but to now go into, okay, like what does shame look like in the workplace? What does, yeah. um, what does a culture of shame look like? Cause that's another thing I've always struggled with, <clears throat> with Brene is that like, I need tactical examples of what I could say or do in the workplace that would cause you shame, especially because I don't understand shame in this context. Interesting. It isn't. Okay, so. So next. maybe that's, I'm, I'm telling you what to write in the blog. Thanks. Or, we'll, or you'll write it. Oh. Um, the, sec, the next one. So I would like you to, if you do your audio, I want you to then take uh, a second and look at the actual pages. Yes, I will do book. that. It, part two is what we're going to do next. It starts on page 185 and it goes, it's not long. It goes to 217. So it's like 32 pages. Of which two of those pages are a massive list, or one of the pages, one page, a massive list of values. And what she wants you to do is pick two. Now, she said, but other people say, other organizations say pick 15. And if you really need to pick 15, pick 15 and then pick two. And those two are your core values. And what you usually find is that those core values are the framework for the other 13. That makes sense. Yes. And then she goes on. So read it. She goes on. There's little work. So there's sections on uh, for each of those core values. What are behaviors that support that value? What are slippery things that can make you walk away from that value that you have to watch for? Okay. Uh, What's an example of when you were fully doing that value? So there's a bunch of... um, thinking work in this next section right. even though there's it's not very long and that's I think you're going to really like it um, because it when you talk about um, how can I have this discussion when I don't know what's a trigger for you for shame you would know she even talks about people that she's known forever that she then did some work on in core values and had no idea that that was such a trigger for that for mm. that person can, <laughs> is it possible that we, not I'm not suggesting we replace, but maybe even in my mind, replace the word shame with trigger. And like, what's your trigger? What causes you shame? Right? Because that's how you did it for me. You said you knew you knew my trigger was um, mm-hmm. this. That's what causes me shame. Even if even if my definition isn't exactly that. Except that you. I don't think so because I would, if I said this, what's a trigger for you? For you, though, you're telling me it didn't trigger shame. It triggered humiliation or anger or a host of other emotions. Embarrassment. Yeah. Or the notion of a mistake. Which perfectionism is something that can lead to shame. What I'm hearing you say is that it doesn't lead to shame. It leads to um, anger or sadness and you quickly figure out how to deal with it. But there's no in-between layer where you feel like you're an idiot or a stupid person for having done that or that you're not worthy, therefore, because mm, you I that. feel stupid. And I did. I shouldn't have said right? that. Uh, yeah. You feel that you're not worthy because you did it, even for a brief moment. Yeah. So that's the, the, 
I don't think we can replace shame with trigger because trigger, the trigger is, is what causes the emotion. And what Brene's talking about is the emotion of shame. So with her definition, that's where the rumbling is coming from. So we'll probably talk about it more as we get through the book. And I honestly feel like, even though I'm sure she's not reading this, but you never know. Um, it would be really cool to send her an email and ask. Yeah. Because she does answer a lot of questions all the time. And she's on all the socials and all the stuff. And she's very responsive. And I think that if, especially if we said, gonna, not only are we're we gonna We're going to slide into your DMs, Brene. Not only are we personally curious, but I think it would help our, our learning and growth and instruction if we would know more about it and and be able to address it. Because not everybody feels about shame the way she does. Just like I don't feel like it the same way and you don't and there's probably yeah. a host of others so how do we identify with the learnings let's rumble with this that's, what, that's the whole thing we're gonna rumble with it um and i'm gonna i'm gonna title um i'm gonna title this podcast and everything is nicole a sociopath because she doesn't feel shame <laughs> i love it <laughs> all right thanks everybody uh don't forget your homework we'll see you next time see you next time bye bye thanks for listening Don't forget, you can find us on all the usual social media. Our website is whiteboardconsulting.ca. And this podcast will be available visually on YouTube by searching Whiteboard Consulting Group, Inc. Or if you want to read our blog that summarizes it, you can check out At The Whiteboard, a publication on medium.com. Finally, if you have any questions or suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at info at whiteboardconsulting.ca. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.